1: Hello and welcome to That Gabby Rosin Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. This is a very honest and open conversation with a very wise and beautiful woman, Daisy Lowe. She talks about living in New York as a teenager and how she coped with her moments of loneliness there, how she started out as a model at a very young age and at around the same time, how she coped with the intense scrutiny by the press when she went through finding out that her father was Gavin Rossdale, with whom she has a wonderful relationship with. She works so hard to support other women and the way she discusses her incredibly strong bond with her mother, Pearl Lowe, is so moving. She chats about her obsession with false eyelashes after her stint on Strictly Come Dancing and how much she loved it, the dancing and the lashes. We also discuss her dog, Monty, and her partner, Jordan. She is one of the kindest women around who truly wants to do good in the world and I absolutely adore her to bits I hope you enjoy it Please, can I ask you a favor? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Hello, gorgeous Daisy. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's very sweet. I I was looking up, um, you know, obviously I, I've interviewed you before and met you before and know your mum and all the rest of it, but I was doing, doing all my research and the first thing that came up was, I love Monty more than anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh God. I'm How's Monty so your dog? How's your gorgeous dog? <laughs> he's He's good. It, it was our. It, it was thirteen years ago that I actually t- t- took him on. Um, only a couple of days ago, and I am I'm really impressed that I've kept him alive for thirteen years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I mean, I've, I've, all the th- I've never heard anybody put it like that. I'm so pleased I've kept <laughs> the dog alive for thirteen years.
0: Yeah, really. I mean, look, I was nineteen when my mum convinced me that I needed him and he was three months old and the size of my hand and I'd just moved to New York and living out there on my own and my mum just said look you know you've got no friends and you're really lonely here and I just think the best thing for you is this dog who we had found (laughs) that's <laughs> a puppy and he wouldn't stop humping everything in sight and she just thought he was hilarious <laughs> um and and so uh, we went for lunch to think about it and then I went and picked him up and the wave of responsibility that came over my body as my 19 year old self was unlike anything I felt before or since actually <laughs> and um I'm very pleased that I did because he is the f- most hilarious little sidekick. Um, he's not that affectionate, and I kind of force him into cuddles.
1: Um, is he still humping but, everything?
0: No, sadly not. He's you know he's a bit of an old boy. Although when we go to the park and he finds any male dogs, he it doesn't matter what kind of size he will try and mount them, eventually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he's only little. He's just,
0: He's only tiny. Yes, he, you know, he weighs three kilos. Oh my <laughs> you know, god!
1: I have a comedy. He's really Diddy. A thought of him and the Great Dane, but maybe we shouldn't go there. Um, what was it like being on your own in New York? As your your mum kindly put it, no friends and lonely. I mean that. <laughs> what a extra, I mean, so young to be there
0: in New York on your own. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I moved there when I was eighteen. But the funny thing is, looking back. I really thought at 18, I knew everything. You know, I really, um, it didn't seem too big a dream to want to go there, move there and work in the fashion industry. And the initial six months there were quite lonely and it took a little while for work to actually pick up. But as soon as it did, um, you know, my world was completely transformed. And actually, to be honest, I ended up kind of living more on a plane than actually in the city because it's this incredible phenomenon as a model. If you move over to New York, then suddenly you're wanted everywhere else in the world. Um, and, but I did, I I had, I had a really wonderful time. I met some really interesting people that are still very close to my heart. Um, and, I managed a few years out there before getting too homesick and needing to be closer to my family and rooted friends.
1: But but still, eighteen. I mean, that you must look back and think that was an incredibly bold and ballsy thing to do. I mean, I know you were you were modelling from when you were very young, but then you were talent scout. You were fifteen, fourteen, or fifteen, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, very young. Yeah. So you'd already been working a few years, but still, eighteen now. Gosh, it's so young.
0: It is so young. I mean, I look at my 15-year-old sister and that's, I was 15 when I was signed and 15 when I, you know, started, I did my first show, I did my first fashion campaigns um, from 15 and I think, God, I, <laughs> you, actually, I just want to wrap you up in cotton wool. <laughs> I can't yeah, quite yeah. believe that I but was so kind of exposed. But at the time, it didn't feel like that. It felt very, it was just exciting and very. I was just very present. It was kind of, you know, uh, always was just really up for creating and being part of someone's vision and meeting some really out there humans and, you know, just really playing, I think. And it just, as an 18 year old moving to New York, it was, I was getting really antsy in London and I moved into a flat on my own with my boyfriend at the time and our best mate. And they were just, I was just living with two boys and they were filthy and disgusting. And I was so sick of like of earning, earning the money to pay our rent and bills. And um, I also used to cook and clean up after them and do their laundry. And I was like, well, my, I don't want to be everyone's mother. I want to go and live in New York. And, um, and so I signed with an agency over in America who said, look, the only way that we think this is going to work is if you come and spend six months here. And... I just couldn't wait to get out and when I got to New York I went and looked at apartments and the only way of really unless I was subletting was to actually sign on to a year's lease and I just thought well what's the point in only doing six months I may as well do a year see how it goes and then go from there and by the time I'd been there for a year everything was sort of fitting into place and and I was really enjoying the adventures of it so it all just made sense. Do you know
1: what's so incredible? You, you—it's as if—and when I've met you, I would say you've got a very, you've got a very wise head on young shoulders. You must have been like that even at eighteen. I mean, to move in with a boyfriend and be doing the cooking and the cleaning and looking after people, and then uh, then saying, right, I'm going to leave this all and I'm going to sign for a year in New York at eighteen. You must have always—I mean, even as a child, were you always quite?
0: grown up I for want of a better expression yeah I mean I was always very precocious (laughs) I think I think I you know my mum always brought me up to be very much alongside her so I was always encouraged to kind of hang out with her and her friends and I felt like her friends were my friends actually (laughs) from you know being tiny and I think that gave me well, I really thought that I had my own little wisdom from a really young age. You know, there's like yeah. a really funny family story that goes around occasionally when I must have been one and a half and my uncle was changing my nappy and I just said, Uncle Nicky, you've got it the wrong way round. <laughs> <laughs> one and a half. So I think... <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, my God. You were destined then. You were destined at oh. 18 to be in New York for a year. That makes sense. That was, Lon- yeah. but, but loneliness is, is is a horrible thing. And actually being able to admit that. Did you admit it at the time? Because a lot of people talk about loneliness after they've been through it. And I've got a friend of mine, you know, during lockdown, she called me up and she said, I think I'm that word and I can't say it. And then when she said lonely, Aww. she sobbed. And she oh, actually, she's, she's your age. She's your age. And... um but but looking back on that, did you admit you were lonely at the time or is it now, looking back, you say, I was lonely while I was there?
0: I'm trying to think. I, th- I think I was trying to be very brave because I knew I didn't want... I always... My kind of number one thing as a teenager and going into early adulthood is I never wanted anyone to worry about me. I always wanted to have it sussed and sorted mm. and... So I think there was an element of kind of calling home and saying, yeah, no, everything's fine, it's fine. Um, but when it, I think that there was probably a few teary phone calls to my mum because when I first, very first, moved, I had a couple of friends that luckily lived in the city. A girlfriend that I went to school with was at NYU at the time, so that was very handy. And I'd come across... Lovely Sean Lennon and his wonderful girlfriend, um, Kemp Moore, who's a ridiculously beautiful supermodel, but also they make really extraordinary music together. And they were kind of my three friends. But when I moved there, my, my friend from school went off on holiday and Sean and Charlotte went off to Japan for a month. And so I was suddenly left to this kind of month gaping hole post fashion Mm. week feeling really lost and didn't know how to meet people and didn't so I ended up just trawling the streets of New York and I insisted on walking to each and every one of my castings because I thought what better way to get to know a city than just walk everywhere but I do kind of 10 to 12 castings a day Come home oh, absolutely knackered, and, and come back to this very empty apartment with nothing in it but a, um, a mattress and my laptop and just watch loads of DVDs. I just watched loads of DVDs and did loads of castings. And I think I did that for about three weeks really monotonously <laughs> and, just, and just would come home and watch really sad films and sob. And a bit, I think I'm quite pleased that I kind of embraced it because as soon as then yeah. my friends started coming back into town, it felt like all the lights had gone on again, and I think I invested in Guitar Hero." <laughs> <laughs> and found a way to play. <laughs> and that, that seemed to, to get brighter. It's, it What is incredible
1: is that even hearing you saying that, I, 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 you just sound like there was a sort of there is a wiseness about you. Is that, do you think, do you th- like you say, you were, you were, because you were around your mum and all of her friends and they were an incredible group of very vibrant people. And also you were mm. you lived with your grandparents, didn't you, as well, uh, when yeah, you were younger? I went,
0: yeah, I mean, look, my mum had me when she was 19, so I think they just wanted to help her out as much as possible. Yeah. So i just, I'd go and stay with them and to, to give her a bit of a break, cause bless her, she'd taken on quite a lot with me. Um... And but then I think it's funny because on one hand, I think I've always had this kind of adult wisdom. But as I get older, I think the more childlike I actually become. <laughs> like, Oh, I love more, that. You know, <laughs> and I think especially the clouds are just not welcome. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. I'm yeah. I know. I agree. I, love, I agree. Just, it's. And so I've just taken it upon myself as someone who's lived in all black my entire adult life and loved being a bit of a goth, really. I've been wearing as much pink as humanly possible. Yes! (laughs) Join the pink clan. Good for you. Exactly. And it just... I went and had my nails done about a month ago. I'm just like... No, no i'm 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 gonna have to have them bright pink chrome because i need the sun to be inside now
1: <laughs> like a woman you know. after my own heart you've made yeah. my day de- you just had to say that and that's
0: it we can say goodbye now yes she's gone to the pink <laughs> side hurrah actually i've always lived in kind of large scale doll's houses essentially <laughs> like i've always wanted lots of pink things but i've never embraced pink on my person so i'm really enjoying that
1: (laughs) perhaps you did when you did strictly did they get you out of the whole black thing
0: yeah they got me out of the black thing and into um i actually had to really deal with a quite severe addiction to false eyelashes and it took me quite (laughs) some time to wean off you loved dancing though (laughs)
1: didn't you you absolutely loved loved that i remember talking to
0: you then yeah, I was. It was the most brilliant job I could have ever done. It's still to this day the best, the best job I've ever had. Just to learn how to dance every day, and it's so joyful. And also, you know, having at that point been a model full time for ten years, and you know, throughout my career, always being very conscious of wanting to champion real women's bodies and being curvy and being told that you're curvy even though at the time I was a size six to eight which looking back is ridiculous and you know feeling like an elephant in comparison to all these stick-thin very wonderful beautiful in their own way models um and for the first time in my career actually being told that what my body was doing was really good and being really proud of what my body could achieve rather than constantly pulling a, a, my, myself apart, really, and going, "Oh, oh my God! No, my, you did good. Like, well done, legs. Well done, feet. you've Managed <laughs> it." And you know, Aww. and it was just, it was, and I've never really performed before. You know, I've done fashion shows, but it's a little bit different when you're just putting one foot in front of the other. And even then, I'd sometimes trip. <laughs> so then to have to do that in such a I mean, that was terrifying. That was the worst part of it. But <laughs> the rehearsal. Yeah, but you get stage fright, don't you?
1: I remember talking to yeah, you about stage fright I, and I couldn't believe you did live dancing every weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I was just really trying to push myself. It was something that I'd always thought, oh, goodness, if they asked me to do that, that would be really lovely. Just because I always wanted to learn ballroom dancing. Um, and But then I didn't really think about the actual act of the performance and the fact that millions of people are watching and it's live. And oh. Oh. yeah, it's, it's just even thinking about that, it's like honest Saturday night fever, the, you know, <laughs> the trauma, <laughs> <like> the <laughs> Um but, but I guess it was an amazing learning curve too. And I was really lucky they took me on tour um, as one of the six contestants that, that gets to go on the live shows. And, you know, by the end of it, you do 30 tour dates in 21 days. And by the last four shows, you're playing to a sold-out O2. And, you know, (laughs) all my career, I would have never, I I would have never believed that I could have done that. But because you get into this rhythm, and I was just having the time of my life by that, that point,
1: that's so fantastic. I mean, you, what with you, your dad being a front man and, and doing, playing places big as the O2, now you can say, hey, I was a sellout at the O2, Dad. I love <laughs> exactly. that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. It's extraordinary, though your your time on Strictly brought you to a completely new audience because, of course, you you were a model and and people knew you. I mean, for for the for the gossip columns, which I hate, but, oh, that's and I that's the other say. thing like that you and I have and fodder. Oh God, I yeah. hate that. And also, <laughs> when I was doing my research on you before, I was getting more and more frustrated with. Daisy Lowe steps out in a low-cut dress. Daisy... Oh,
0: shut up. Or just all my love life. I don't care. Like, I your don't love
1: life every... I'm not interested yeah. in... It's not our business. That's your business. That must have well, just...
0: How on earth do you cope with that?
1: Every single
0: week. I mean, it's mad. Uh, do you know what? I, to be completely honest, I actually am totally none the wiser. So I, I made a promise to myself when I was 19. Um was actually, I was dating lovely Mark Ronson as a 19-year-old and the stories were just everywhere and it was really overwhelming and I just thought, what am I, why am I reading this? Why am I giving power to this? Yeah. Actually... Either way, whatever the article, whether it's a lovely article or a disparaging article, either way, it's going to inflate or deflate my ego. (laughs) And, And it's giving power to that really egocentric part of myself. And I don't want to be a narcissist. And I don't think it's a good idea for me to read into it. So after that, I refuse to... Well, I just try to turn a bit of a blind eye to it. It's not in... And, I, and I appreciate that it's part and parcel of being a woman, particularly in this industry. Yes, men don't yes, you're like that. right, right. Yep. Um, and our, that actually we, it's more about, yes, our, our outfits and our love lives and personal lives, or, you know, if we've put on weight <laughs> or you know, yeah, um... be joyful things like that, which men just get the kudos for what they're achieving professionally, but that seems to be secondary. But then... You know, it it also is, I I think I got to a space where I realised that I'm also privileged because the reason why those things are being written about me is because I've had success in my career and it also gives me a platform to be able to talk about things, especially nowadays through things like social media, about things that I really care about and things that it kind of, it can bring people towards me for strange reasons. <laughs> yeah, but then maybe no, they can um, um I don't know, maybe through that they can feel less alone with something that they're going through. Who knows? Um but for me it was very much about not trying to buy into it. I'll only read things if I've done like a specific interview where I want to make sure that I didn't sound like an absolute lunatic or. <laughs> well,
1: you <laughs> don't. No, you don't. But, but I do think it is. Uh, and you're very much a woman who supports women. And I know you did that with mm. your podcast and you do that with your fashion and you, you know, you're very outspoken about all of that. But it does. I was oh, yeah. being interviewed um, the other day and th- I said to her, why do you always have to put Gabby Roslin, then my age and then mm. um, something to do with, oh, she's oh, she's kept her weight off since... A ch- what? What is... What? Yeah. I, I personally don't want to read that about you. And I, I think you are wonderful, mm. Daisy, and I've said that to your face. But I don't really care whether you're wearing a low-cut dress, whether you... <laughs> I, I, I hope you're very, very happy, especially with lovely Jordan. And... But it's yeah. not my business. And I don't think mm. anybody really wants to read that. We we probably want to know what, like me asking you about what was life like in New York and what's it really like to be a model. But but it's not our business who you're going out with
0: or what you're wearing yeah. or whether you get your boobs out. I don't care. <laughs> it's your business. <laughs> but I think it, the funny thing is, I guess I was definitely born into, we were, both born into this culture of... And I think part of me, I've been definitely guilty of it myself, going, oh, who's that person? And, oh, who's their boyfriend? And then you think, hang on, why why am I asking these questions? And it's almost like I've been programmed to want to know about, like, the real-life love island of, you know, modern-day celebrities, which is so bizarre. Because then, yes, I don't really... (laughs) It makes it, it adds a whole new level of complication to trying to find a nice partner. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, of course it does. And, try, and also trying to explain that, you know, Jordan and I met on the heath. <laughs> just I love that story. <laughs> I love it. It's so cute. Um, but he had no idea who I was and still to this day doesn't really understand that <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, didn't. Um, and um, trying to explain to him when the first photographs of us were taken, like, you know, two or three weeks into knowing him and neither of us were really sure what it was between us because we'd just started dating and to try and then deal with the public perception and him having articles being sent constantly from you know his school friends to his aunties to you know
1: oh just, my god you
0: know, god this is so weird <laughs> why <laughs> you know what um of what why do people want to get a kick out of it but then it I always come back to well it's because I am I guess through my career become a public figure and i think as you said strictly took me to a very different audience and actually I have to have some humility in it that actually I should be very grateful for the position that I take in my career and the fact that people do take a bit of an interest sometimes. But
1: but what's nice is that the people I think from Strictly and you like I said you're very you're pro-woman supporting woman you're mm. very passionate about sustainability in fashion you're very passionate mm. about being happy in your size because you've you've suffered as you said you know there you were a size 6 and 8 and they were you were feeling like an elephant i mean that's just so shocking but now you're mm. so outspoken about that and that's really important for young girls and guys because we know that the yeah. guys have a problem with it as well of course and it's so wonderful to have people like you being outspoken that that's a way that you can use the press and social media to,
0: not to your advantage, but to the advantage of others. Oh, definitely. And it's very interesting how social media can just allow anyone to just send anyone they want a message. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that anyone's going to see it if they've got millions of followers. I'm sure that they don't necessarily. But I do try, when I've got time, to kind of troll through messages and particularly young girls if they are struggling with weight issues or body dysmorphia or you know any of and actually uh, mental health stuff as well it's been actually a real privilege to be able to just send little messages and little things that i've learned along the way actually person to person um as well as using instagram as like a proper platform Uh, you know as like grid posts or stories or whatever but um i think that there is something very powerful in that sometimes social media can feel like such a minefield and quite a frightening place actually um for me at least but then just trying to find the silver linings of it and that's definitely one of them for me have you always been like that
1: have you always looked for the silver lining in things
0: oh god yeah i mean otherwise i'll just drown <laughs> like, just drown i'm such a sensitive emotional being and i think at my my kind of natural um state i am actually a very kind of bubbly buoyant person but uh, you know I, I i get my dark days and i think my only way i have now a very good toolkit how to deal with my mental health and Definitely one of them is having to find silver linings. I think that's that and lots of gratitude. And you, do, you meditate as well, don't you? Yeah, I still you do still my TM every morning. Wow. Yeah, um, I, um, I'm not so good at doing the afternoon one. I really have to find a way. In the first lockdown, I was angelic and I did both meditations every day and it was fantastic. But life just seems to get in the way a bit now.
1: Yes, I think a lot of people say that about meditation I mean I'm I have to say I'm not very good at switching my mind off but after I've done a workout I then do some breathing and I just go oh, that's okay nice. that's what I'm doing it's just a bit of a breathing but yeah but there are a lot that's of people it that is, though. yeah and that's a lot of people read about meditation and people doing meditation and TM uh, transcendental meditation that and a, a lot of people speak about it but you. it's very funny that I know a lot of people who will... Instantly, I men, mention breathing, they'll go, oh, yeah, no, no, I do breathing. And if I say, oh, meditation, they'll just look at me and go, oh, no, no,
0: no, 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 yeah, I'm not interested, not no. interested. It's But funny. it sounds a bit like a kind of new agey... For people who are quite cynical, <laughs> I think, you know, I've been trying to get my grandma to meditate for a decade and she just won't do it. But oh, really? I also, <laughs> Yeah. But <laughs> I was also... Very, I tried meditating so much before getting into TM and I was terrible at it. The idea of having to clear my mind was such a frightening concept because I've got a really busy head and I will think about everything as soon as someone says, don't think about anything. It actually gets me more stressed out than when I yes. started. And I'd always yes. I'd leave going, why, why did I do that to myself? Because I'm actually so much more amped up because I couldn't do the thing that I'm being told to do (laughs) Um, and it was incredibly frustrating and then I learnt TM and what I love about Transcendental Meditation is that actually they welcome it welcomes your thoughts so the idea is that you're kind of clearing out your subconscious by continuing to go back to one word one sound vibration your mantra that you're given, that's specific to you um, and it was such a relief to think okay I'm allowed to think about you know what I'm having for breakfast what clothes I have to sort out for that event what shoot I have to sort out that I have to call this person do that you know my your mental to-do list and actually then sometimes it would kind of put those all into order and actually I do them much better having sat down for my 20 minutes as like my little recharge but there's something very powerful about even if it's not meditation if it's even just sitting and stretching or sitting and breathing giving yourself just 20 minutes of your day to say this this is to recharge your battery
1: i i think it's a very powerful you say you've got tools there, so that's one mm-hmm. of your tools. And looking for a silver mm-hmm. lining, and also, um, I, I've read as well that you like to, you feel very passionate about living in the present. And you said that mm. about your time in New York that you were living in the mm-hmm. present. So that's very, so that's still a very um, mature thing to do at eighteen. I'm no, I'm, I'm not going to go back there again. But but now <laughs> in your thirties, you're you're mm-hmm. you're still you very much living in the present, living in the moment. That is what, it's a difficult thing for people to do. I love it. That's how I I hopefully live, but
0: it's a difficult thing. The past couple of weeks, I've been finding it really hard to be present. So actually, this is a very good reminder to get back to just living in now because I keep thinking, okay, I've got this, this and this to do today. And I'm actually, the anxiety though from it is through the roof. It's completely understandable. You know, we went from pre-pandemic, where actually most of us were really very much running on our adrenals and cortisol through the roof and then everything stopped and I think initially it was obviously really frightening but when we realised that there was no other way out but through (laughs) there was a lot of acceptance and as long as all of us could keep safe and there you know of course there was so many heartbreaking stories and I had people close to me that were very ill as well and there was all of that but if you took that away the fact that we all just stopped and had to be very present and you know I mean for me I did the first lockdown with my whole family which was hilarious and we've never had the opportunity to all just be at home together you know I've never lived in the same house full-time as my 15 year old sister and we had just three months uninterrupted she goes to boarding school. We would have never had that time wow. together. Wow. Um and how was it? Was it tri- okay? Did it you was get hilarious. on again? Okay? <laughs> we had a, we there were no arguments, which was remarkable. Um we all just really chipped in. We all had our individual jobs. Um I was the I was in charge of laundry, which as a family of six, there was quite a lot wow. to get through. Um and all of our and um, and we every Friday was our cleaning day where we you know change all of our beds and we'd all chip in on the cooking and we just tried to do something creative every day right? from candle making to wreath making to we had um, a murder mystery night we would do life drawing we did painted portraits and it I sounds mean, like your I can imagine your mum doing all of it I mean I. Mm-hmm. Can,
1: uh, your mum must have sort of, and it's a strange thing to say, but your mum must have loved
0: oh, yeah. to, help, to have did. all of you there. And it was, it was really special. And, and we did dance class. You know, we had to start every morning with a dance class, which was hysterical. Oh, my God. And, wow. Um, because it meant, you know, we were thinking, right, well, normally we'd be out and about and uh, actually exercising just from going about our daily lives so we had to have and I think also for mental health the endorphins when hearing you know it was it was really important so yeah I we did a lot of really funny cardio classes and so it was usually me mum and Betty for that and it was it was a very special time and I think also because we had that weather we were absolutely blessed with it being yeah. sunny which just yeah. really helps and then you know Obviously, then, when we went into lockdown, I had to come home i had I had to sort out my um my house was being renovated and it was an absolute disaster, so I had to come back and sort that out and and then you know then we go into lockdown again, we go into lockdown two and three, and we're kind of trying to get through the winter and Kind of know a bit of what it's about and how to keep ourselves sane and sorted. I was very much a, less motivated around the winter and just took up baking every day as a coping mechanism. But there was something about coming back to, you know, everything being quite calm and quiet. And we've gone from that into, okay, catch up, sort it out, go back to your old life when actually our bodies have sorted not yeah. prepared yeah. anymore to do what we were putting out. And I don't even know if it was that wise. We were running our tanks on empty in the way we were before. Anyway, you know, I don't know if I would like to go back to being that absolutely catastrophically busy. Um, there was something very peaceful. And I, I think that now everyone's kind of questioning the way in which we run our own lives and, what we really want and you know i think that that's very helpful and very powerful in its own way but trying to do what we were doing before feels and people can even the most joyful radiators of humans it's still exhausting to be around so many different energies when we've just been so used to being so calm and quiet for so long
1: absolutely Uh, and also interestingly because you used to travel all the time for your modeling and 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 your djing and everything that you're now you're I mean you have been for a long time and and has your mum but um you're very passionate about sustainable fashion you're very passionate about Mm. the planet you don't want to travel and fly as much as you used to so Mm. all of that has changed as well for you
0: oh yeah I mean look I it's such a funny thing with like I'm hugely passionate about sustainability and I'm I, I think one thing, a g- huge silver lining of the pandemic is part of us all stopping was realising, you know, how much waste we pump out, how much, you know, making more sustainable choices. There were so many incredible businesses that came up through the pandemic because people just really wanted to be more conscious of the mark we're making on the planet, Um Uh, Did you feel that? Oh, completely.
1: I mean, I do on on Instagram and I've done for a few years now shopping in your wardrobe. And because I I really couldn't bear this whole, for two reasons, I couldn't bear the tap to buy off somebody else's back on social media Mm. and keep buying it and buying it and then washing it and all what goes out into the environment, we know, through washing. But also the people Mm. who went skiing or went to the beach and they bought an outfit from a cheap outlet and then left it on the beach or left it on the slopes. what is that about? What are we doing? And we're seeing, we're seeing, you know, the effect of all of that. And if you're going to buy, Mm buy sensibly and buy something you're going to wear again and again and again. Keep it in your wardrobe. Go and shop in your own wardrobe. It's much more fun. Or go shop in somebody else's. If you've got a friend to do it with. In fact, I think everybody should maybe come to you and your mums because you've got this (laughs) incredible
0: stuff. (laughs) I must say, it's quite extensive. (laughs) 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 Although, the, uh, you know, throughout this year, I, one of my favourite things is having my little sister come and stay. And every time she comes here, she leaves with a great big bag of things because oh. I'll try on a dress and sometimes, you know, we'll get ready together to do something or even just to play dress up and I'll put something on and she'll say, no, no, Daisy, it's too short for you now. I don't think you could wear that again. <laughs> she'll, oh, I see. <laughs>
1: And what she really means is, no, Daisy, I want that. Thank you. Please can I have it? Thank you very <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah, that's what yeah. she really,
0: and, really means. And that's what she gets. Oh,
1: bless <laughs> her. How, but you've got loads of brothers and sisters because you've got your dad's kids as well. Do mm. you see
0: them as well? Yeah. I mean, I'm all in all the eldest of seven. Oh,
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, and I have five really extraordinary, brilliant brothers and one little sister and yeah my mum has two boys and Betty and my dad has three boys and I yeah I love them all so dearly they're wonderful and I'm very lucky that I get to be their big sister I mean I FaceTime with my brothers over in LA at, at least once a week like Kingston is the same age as Betty actually so and then you Know Zuma and Apollo are a bit younger, a bit less into FaceTime, understandably. Um, but I had the most wonderful time. You know, whenever I go to LA, I always have the best time with those boys, they're such brilliant kids.
1: I remember um, your dad from when we were little rather bizarrely. Cause really, we all, yeah, we were all we all knew the same people, and um, everybody fancied your dad, but okay, let's just all my girlfriends I mean, so fancied I, your I, look, dad. He's,
0: <laughs> all my all my girlfriends now still fancy him it's really I mean do you know what I suppose there's part of me that's just like yeah go on dad I'm very proud of you <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, um, and he takes good care of himself and he's he's a good human being um, and yeah and he's you know he's very funny and he's very kind and he's got very good taste so Oh, how lovely. Yeah,
1: he's, he's got and you've got a good relationship, yeah. you two. He was, I
0: love that he yeah. was so,
1: he's so supportive of you. And, you know, all <laughs> of that was so public. That's another thing. All of that was yeah, just... Yeah, that was
0: really public.
1: Oh, <laughs> God almighty. I mean, yeah,
0: it's something I mean, for you guys was...
1: to go through, not everybody mm. else.
0: Well, I think it's, you know, there is no handbook for finding out that you're... I, th- that your goddaughter is really your daughter or that your godfather is your father yeah um yeah. when I and 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 again I think it's been really crazy this year for me spending a lot of time with Betty realizing I was her age when all of it came out and all of <gasps> God, it was were you so wow yeah I was fifteen and I was actually asked not to tell anyone about what was going on while we were having the DNA test and understandably with All my parents being in the public eye, so no, let's just keep this really quiet and deal with this as you know a private family matter. And then it was all leaked into the press, and it turned out that mine and my mum's phones were hacked. (gasps)
1: Oh,
0: god! Yeah, and so you know, at school, everyone had been asking why I wasn't myself and I couldn't ever tell anyone. And then suddenly it was plastered over all the papers. And oh no. Whew, yeah, it was an intense, but again, you know, I'm a really firm believer in that everything happens for a reason. And yeah, obviously it, it. I really learned so much from such a young age about, you know, all of that stuff. And it was, I think we dealt with it the best that we could and it, meant that we did have a really rocky start, but we figured it out, you know, and I'm really grateful that we kind of figured it out as and when we did. I think, you know, we're super close and That's so he's, I'm I'm really I'm really pleased. And the funny thing was the moment I found out that he could be my dad, I was like, oh this makes perfect sense. Like, oh really? You know? Wow. Right. Yeah, wow. because I just we think in the same way, and we, there, we have so many quite frightening similarities that it just... And the guy who I thought was my dad, I didn't really know, and when I'd met him, I didn't... I said, I came home and said to my mum, I feel no connection to this man, and but didn't question it, because it, I wasn't, you know, <laughs> as a teenager, I wasn't like, oh, mum, is there anyone else that might be my dad? You know, That's just not something that comes into anyone's head, ever. Um and, and yet it just made perfect sense. And now when we spend time together, you know, we have the same mannerisms, which is so strange because it wasn't like he brought me up as his kid. It's just so in his very strong DNA. Um, and he's, he's a really good person to turn to when I need him for sure. How lovely. So it's good. And then mm. your mum,
1: your mum's found such happiness. I remember sitting next to her and, and I just said, you, you just seem happy, and she's she. It's mm. like she sort of found herself. I mean, she's gone through. She's very open about what she's gone through, mm. um, and it's a lot of stuff for a polite way of putting it. But it it's, and, and she's written <laughs> she's about it. She's many a life. She's yes, one, she that's certainly sure. um, and, and she's she very is. open she's... about it as well. You know, oh, yeah. she talks about it.
0: Yeah, and and I also think she. Well, she always wanted to talk about it and share it so that other people could find strength in her story and and her learning curve. And she's now been sober for, I think, 17 years. Good girl. Um, and, and she's... Oh, she's one of a kind, my mum. And she is. She's absolutely over the moon happy now the days and has been for a long time, actually. And she's just definitely the most inspiring human like she's just oh, she really is great. and she you know it there's there's real heart and beauty in everything that she does and that is a real you know it's very special to witness and be and be part of um but everything everything is an event with my mum <laughs> you know? Yes.
1: I I have to say, so last time I saw her, which was a few years ago, and we were sitting next to each other and every single time she talked about you, I've never seen this, her eyes lit up and she was saying about how you, you just know her soul and her spirit and you lift her Mm and, and it's so lovely hearing you speaking the same way about her. It's an amazing relationship Mm -hmm. you have. I mean, you, you, not only you mother and daughter, you've worked together, you do, you, you. You're very much a team. God, that sounds so corny, but you are, mm. aren't you?
0: No, but we we are. I think that, you know, <laughs> it's just reminding me, as you said that, of being over lockdown and mum saying, I think I might make a couple of masks out of the fabric because I'm not selling dresses. Obviously, no one's going out and I think it'd be nice to give a percentage of the proceeds to the NHS and I'll probably just sell like 20 or 30. I'm just going to put them up on, on my website and then have it. And she didn't put a limited number of orders and suddenly within days she had thousands of orders and, <gasps> oh <laughs> and then are just looking at each other going okay how are we going to do this there's one seamstress there's like sweet lady in Somerset okay we're going to have to find another seamstress and then how are we going to package them and send them out and you know <laughs> so then we had to start this like factory line <laughs> of the two of us just packaging her masks and sending them out printing off the labels putting them in the DHL packs you know just facilitating all these orders thousands of them and yes we are a good team we do have a real giggle and we definitely have a very unique mother-daughter relationship but but then, as at its bare bones it that's that's what it is it's just she's she's a really great mum,
1: but you're very supportive of other women and and when you did your podcast and as I said with your mm. um with your clothing range, but you're also very outspoken about oh, women supporting women, and yeah, I love that you're so passionate about that, but
0: it's so hard because we're so pitted against each other, and it's definitely something that all of us have unfortunately inherited. Because men are taught healthy competition and women are taught to pretty much fight for men's affections. I mean, at a very base level. And actually, it's so important for us to lift each other up and be champion one another. And it took me such a long time to really figure that out in, within even my close personal private circle of wonderful women but now all of the women in my life very much symbiotic in the way that we support each other and champion one another um because I think that that kind of uh, really under the surface deep-rooted kind of envy is so it's really primal actually i think in women and it's something that uh, i think that we don't talk about enough actually and it's like well where does this come from and why do i feel like this oh is that because i'm i need to work on that in my own life actually maybe this is just a mirror and i'm being shown that i want a bit of what that person has and how do i get that rather than it being anything to do with that other person if anything they can be an inspiration you are like i said very very wise you are. You really, no, you are very
1: wise. And always in this podcast, we always ask what makes people completely belly laugh, that lose it giggling. And every interview that I've watched, every time I've met you, you love a giggle.
0: What makes you probably laugh? I need a giggle. Um, oh, so much stuff makes me giggle. Um But my other half, Jordan, is absolutely hilarious. He makes me belly laugh and get on the floor. And even even when I'm in a really foul mood and the last thing I want to do is smile, he will make me belly laugh. And it's actually really annoying Um, (laughs) in those those moments where I just want to be cross. Um, And Monty makes me absolutely piss myself. The other day... I had had a really rough day and I was not feeling myself at all and you know those moments when you just think I just I just need something like I need a break I need something to just make me smile and at that exact moment Monty catapulted himself onto my little puff that I have in front of my couch in my living room and as he kind of pushed himself off into the air, he farted. And he just, And it was like this very ablution had sort of propelled him into the air. And I just, like, I just fell on the floor.
1: Farting <laughs> and makes everybody, you know, there's. Uh, I think mean, yeah. it was Lee Mack, we were talking about it in the podcast, saying that just fart, farting sounds, just fart, m- fart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very base, but it's from funny him, it's very base. But it's but for Monty, he's always very silent but deadly. So for <laughs> him to actually make a noise, it was like he knew that I needed him to just do something. <laughs> Spectacular! <laughs> your tiny weeny dog
1: farting as he jumps off dog. your puff. There we go. That's the way to end this. Uh, Daisy, Brilliant. bless you, my sweet. Send your mum my love and keep keep do. um keep being wise and and looking after others because that's what you're about. That's what you're there for.
0: Well, Thank you. And you, I mean, goodness gracious, you're one of the greatest when it comes to that. So it's a real joy to get to speak to you, Gabby. Well, you're you. a wonder woman. And I'm well,
1: I feel the same about just you. Just so
0: happy you do what you do. Well,
1: thank you. We you're all f- need you. you nice. You're f- too lovely. Thank you, my darling, Thank darling girl. you. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up on the next episode, we have Dr. Ronan Chatterjee. That Gabby Roslyn podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much.